Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning. Rosie on the house, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. It's the 8 o'clock hour, the outdoor living hour, the third Saturday of the month. We've got Jay Harper in talking fall vegetable gardening, but we're also here to take your call about anything you're trying to do in your landscape garden, one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com if you need to send a picture for a little plant or insect identification, and I will tell you what, all week long, when I go out to feed first thing in the morning, it is colder outside than it is inside the house, and it's fabulous. I even had goosebumps for a few seconds this morning, Jay. It's definitely changing, and, and you know, you just even notice the angle of the sun is different. In the, you know, when, when I yeah, because when I'm driving, it's right in my face. <laughs> yeah. Either I'm going to work or coming home. Right. <laughs> it's that. It, but this morning, just coming into the studio, um, you know, it's shaded clear out into the parking lot because the sun has gotten further south. And, um, you know, that the hot part of the day, it doesn't last near as long. Um, the evenings, as soon as, you know, as soon as the sun kind of starts breaking over and going down, you can feel the temperature going down. It's... It's just there's a, I don't know, if you guess if you've lived here long enough, you just sense it. Um, I, I was hiking Humphreys on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I got pushed off the summit in a in a, a, a pretty hurtful hail and sleet yeah, storm. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can up there, I <laughs> guess. Was, let's just say it was refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, we were in Alaska a couple weeks ago. Oh, boy. And, uh, you know, 55, 60 degrees and raining, and I wasn't complaining. <laughs> oh, take that all day long yeah so yeah boy i wish we could grab some of that water that's up there i mean they're they had the second or third wettest august ever in anchorage wow so maybe that's a maybe it's all gonna shift this way i don't know but (laughs) let's hope a lot of water man but yeah we're uh we're uh into fall you know uh, uh fall the the commercial guys the farmers and Produce farming in Yuma is kicking in. They're planting leafy greens, and they're rocking and rolling. So it's time to get your garden ready. Um, I cleaned mine out yesterday, and I'm getting ready to to start getting ready to plant and get everything, all the old stuff out and reworking the soil so that, uh, you know, I just kind of break it up and do it over a few weeks. I don't try and do it all in one one weekend anymore. So... I'm about ready, and uh, you know it, it. It's time you can you could start now, especially if you're planting from seed. Uh, but uh, you know, small transplants just you know the the days are short enough and the nights are cool enough. You should be able to get going. It's a lot more fun planting leafy greens by seed than it is planting okra, just based on the time of year, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's especially this time, you know. The thing about right now too is you've got you don't have to get it done tomorrow. You know, with things that are kind of our summer crops. I mean, if you miss a week, you might miss the whole crop or 
you know, maybe not with okra because it loves the heat and it'll keep going and, and produce when nothing else will even think about staying alive. It's thriving. But uh, in the, you know, your, your, your tomato crops, your pepper crops, if you're just a week or two behind, you're, you risk the chance yeah. of maybe not getting anything. Right now, in fact, one of the smartest things to do is to, you know, space your planting out and plant, you know, if let's just say spinach, you know, plant a little bit, wait a couple of weeks, plant a little bit more. So it's not all, you know, at the same height and the same readiness all at once. And you have to kind of use it all at once. It, the spinach doesn't store very well. <laughs> it took me about four or five seasons to realize that. And then when you plant it, and you're like, this is so obvious. <laughs> why, 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 well, why did it take me a couple of years to yeah, think of that? But, you know, uh, green onions and spinach and lettuces and spring mix and all that stuff, just carrots, just, you know, have little sections of it and keep rotating it. And then when that... When you harvest or pull those up, plant them again. You can do, I don't know how many crops you could get in, you know, of that stuff. You know, at least three um, through the winter months. So, and uh, smart. Rosie brought this in. It's Uh-oh. a mailer from the city of Scottsdale Uh-oh. promoting people to not overseed for a Uh-oh. winter lawn. And okay. you had mentioned, like, well, who wants to look at ugly brown lawn? And that's, you know, I... You wouldn't will, plant a garden in the same size you have your lawn, but you could designate a portion of that to a garden, and that garden's going to use a lot less water than the lawn, and you can eat the garden. Well, certainly, there's been people promoting that, you know, Greg Peterson and then amongst others of, you know, plant an edible landscape. Um, but till my dying day, I will disagree with the cities <laughs> on which lawn which lawn you should not plant if you're going to pick between two lawns let the doggone summer lawn die i mean bermuda grass isn't near as pretty number one we just want the to go kids call a, it the itchy grass it's it's not it's just you know it, it is what it is i mean thank goodness we have it or we wouldn't have for those that do need like golf courses and parks a, a grass in the summertime you're, how many people after about the Memorial Day, you know, 1st of June, are out there enjoying their lawn anyway? And isn't that the whole point of having it is just to go out and, and walk in it, play in it, uh, enjoy it? So why not let it turn brown? And and I I haven't done the math or looked at the figures, but how— what are the water savings of not watering your summer lawn, which needs a whole lot more water than your winter lawn does, and as opposed to turning that one off or watering it just minimally, you know, maybe to keep it from just blowing away and being a dust bowl, as opposed to not watering through the winter months when when our demand for water is less... Uh, community-wide anyway i just i don't i I don't know i I guess it's because it's easy you know just don't plant you know your summer lawn's already there it's permanent you don't have to replant it year after year you do have to plant the winter lawn every year Um, i I suppose that's an easier solution Um, but I, i i just don't get it when you are the whole concept of xeriscaping is to plant a landscape that fits your lifestyle. And 
having a green, beautiful lawn out there when it's 110 degrees doesn't fit many people's lifestyles, I don't think. <laughs> so there you have it, my soapbox. I'll get off. <laughs> would, would you mind if I took a minute and did some bragging? Can I barge in on your outdoor hour? What do you have? I, I got a notice of uh, uh, they want to they give me a, 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 an award. And uh, let, me, let me read this. Um, I don't like to read on air, but I'm, I'm going to read this. After a careful, this is addressed to me, Rosie Romero. <laughs> okay. After a careful and thorough selection process and criteria by industry stalwarts for your dedication and exploring nature, it is our great pleasure to announce that you have been shortlisted by our board for your talent and great leadership for the upcoming banquet and special edition and publication of the 10 most influential women leaders of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Something about careful <laughs> and thorough screening. Hmm. Or, or do you just identify can, as a woman now? Uh, well, you, know, you can do that now. Can, <laughs> we're identifying as tomatoes today. How about today if I show up at the planting. banquet? How about if I just show up at the banquet? Now, now that oh, was a I, careful and thorough selection I process. I think you should go. Uh, the I 10 do. most influential women leaders of 2022. <laughs> you, would, you would stand out in the crowd. <laughs> you could always look at it as a Mardi Gras costume, so I'd go for it. Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, boy. Well, I get all of Miss Rosie Romero's mail. Yeah, all of it. All of it. And she doesn't apparently work because she's never gotten a check. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> All that woman gets, whoever she is, all she gets is uh, junk mail and and bills. Credit card offers? You get any oh, credit, card? credit card? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you must have good credit. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's too good. <laughs> you should frame that. <laughs> well, if you'd like to join the conversation, it's one 767 one triple eight, Rosie for you. James is in Gilbert. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Go ahead, James. Oh, so guess we've got... let's see. According to the screen, there's a cottonwood tree sprouted, but it sounds like he wants to transplant it to a different location. Yeah, so it sprouted. He had a, a big planter outside and two cottonwood trees. Uh, came up out of that. And so he tried to transplant one and killed it. Mm-hmm. So before he tried the second one, it actually has two, um, what do you call it, like two trunks kind of. So he's wanting to know, is that possible to transplant and how would he do that? Well, cottonwoods go deciduous in their dormancy in the wintertime. So wait till it loses all its leaves and goes completely dormant and then dig it up, get as much root of the root as you can and move it and you should. You should be pretty successful. That's the way the commercial guys harvest and resell cottonwood trees as they, you know, they field grow them and then they dig them as soon as the, uh, as soon as they go dormant and they bare root them. They don't have to get any soil with the root ball. And uh, as long as they're replanted in a timely fashion before they start sprouting again, should work. You obviously do not want to leave a cottonwood grow in a planter oh, boy. they get way 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 too big and 
in a in a big hurry they get big so get it get it away from the house get it out away from the house yeah get some distance there take a look at some mature cottonwood trees and take note (laughs) of how big they get and plant it accordingly and depending on the planter if it's something that's not of any value or you know just set the whole thing in the ground and bust up the pot <laughs> so the roots can grow out and then yeah, you don't it, have to worry about yeah if it's in the that if it's in that kind of planter yeah just break out the bottom of it um, the tree will do the rest yeah and, and it'd be fine but if it's in a raised like a masonry you know raised planter bed or something you obviously don't want to do that <laughs> Beautiful day for landscaping and gardening out this morning. And we have, uh, let's cover weeds for a few minutes because we probably have some lingering out there. And uh, we had some nice rains this summer, some new sprouts, new shoots. Mm -hmm. Um, Aside from doing the obvious, getting out there, pulling them, hoeing them, spraying them, killing them. Let's go through the pre-emergent cycle and on the preventative side. Well, we're right in the middle of a of a of an application uh, cycle right now. So, if, if you wanted to pick two optimum dates, first day of fall, and first day of spring. So, twenty first, twenty second of September, twenty first, twenty second of March, would be the the premium dates for applying pre emergent here in the desert. You can do it anytime; it'll start working after it's applied and incorporated into the soil at any point in which you do it. But if you wanted to pick the time that you would prevent the most weeds, if you get pre-emergent on now going into what we hope is a wet winter season, a rainy season, then that pre-emergent is there and is effective to prevent those weeds that would come on after the winter rainy season. And you would apply it in the spring so that that would continue to protect through the rainy season and into the monsoon season. So you kind of get double protection through the rainy months, and then the spring application would take you through the through our what's become our wetter season almost, the monsoon. Um, that's the ideal timing. So uh, like I said, though, you can, you can apply them anytime, and they will start working once they're incorporated into the soil pretty much anytime you apply them. So it's never quote-unquote too late but if you wanted to get the most bang for your buck i guess is the way to maybe the better way to say it uh late september late march would be the two timings um as far as you know now that's that's going to keep stuff from germinating or coming up if it's already sprouted and up you know then your only options are you know to either mechanically remove it you know with the hoe or shovel muscle power or propane torch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rosie on the house preferred method um uh, or spraying it you know and and using a herbicide to kill it which then you still have to do, to eradicate you know the, the leftover material now the the trick to that is if you spray it or when it's very very small and just coming up then it kind of dries up and you don't really have to do anything. But if you wait till they're two feet tall, 
and spray them and kill them. Then you got two feet tall dead stuff. <laughs> and it it takes a lot more chemical on those taller Absolutely. ones as well. Yeah. You know, when it's just little tiny sprouts, a drop of water yeah. goes a long way yeah, with I, the concentrate in it. But when they're two feet tall, and you got and you can be a lot one. more careful as to where you're getting the chemical. You know, I think we want to be obviously conscientious about just going out there and hello willy nilly spraying. You know. Uh, stuff on the ground it doesn't do any good on the ground it's got to be applied to the foliage of the of the plant you're trying to control so now is a great time for pre-emergent do you have a favorite uh, is, are you talking granular probably in this case versus a liquid application or well, most people are better equipped to probably do a granular spray yeah it's probably easier and you don't have to worry about mixing instructions and how to you know uh, the d- disadvantage of a granular is then you have to go back over it with some type of watering apparatus and, w- and water it in. I, you can always try and time it with a rain. That isn't always That's the easiest <laughs> thing to do in Arizona. Um, where if you have a liquid product and you're applying it, you know, especially if you're applying it with a hose-end type applicator, you're apply- you can just keep applying water on top of it and get it watered in. It's got to be dissolved, incorporated, watered into that top layer of soil to be effective. And if you let granular just sit on top of the soil for very long, it'll start losing its effectiveness. So you got to get it in the ground. But I think in most cases, yes, granular uh, is the way to go. And and particularly the the, uh, product, you know, with a with dimension in it, which is particularly effective against spurge, and spurge just seems to be the the most uh, onerous uh, of our weeds these days, especially in the summertime. Um, it just spreads so fast and so prevalent, and uh, and it's hard to control because it's just it it produces so much seed that even by pulling it up, you're spreading seed, and you need to be careful. So. Dimension is the one that uh, that I think seems to be the the broadest spectrum, and it does the best job on spurge. And it's funny how they had their cycles because for a couple of years we had that California cheese weed was prevalent, and we don't have hardly any of that this year. And what we've got are very tall, narrow ones that come up about three or four feet tall. A lot, a lot of, of red stem pigweed. Uh, I bet that's what, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. I I bought an electric. It's fence a and summer, so it's the cows a, out. It's a summer. The cheese weeds a winter. It's going to come up if you have a wet winter. That's why you haven't seen that in the last oh, couple. Okay. The pigweed comes up after summer rains in the hot weather. So. I went to a garden party to reminisce with my old friends. If you're following along in the home maintenance calendar, you know we're talking about fall vegetable planting. If you have a calendar or don't have a calendar, you can get on that mailing list by just letting us know the address you'd like it sent to. Email us at info at 2023 calendars will be going out here by the end of October. Uh, and it just gives you a preview of uh, lineup for, for the most part, what we'll be covering the following year in the broadcast. Obviously, we put the print calendar together and a lot can change between now and next year and schedules and paces so we but it's it's fairly fairly close and accurate we keep it consistent well in our fall vegetable planting there's more than just vegetables you can plant from 
Uh, there's also things you can do to attract color and pollinators. Yeah, I, it's always fun to have a little chair or bench out by the garden. <clears throat> you go out there and watch things grow, and especially if it those things you've planted attract um, pollinators. So we do have lots of varieties of butterflies in on the desert floor as well as hummingbirds that stay all year round. So I think that's really fun to to pay a little attention. Jay, what kind of things, nectar plants, can we plant this time of year that would bring those things to our yard? Well, salvias do a great job of, of attracting particularly hummingbirds. Um, things that, that do a great job with, like, bees and those type of things are, are uh, any of your herbs that, if you can let them go to flower, mints and basils and those things will will attract them citrus of course citrus trees attract a lot of them later in the spring um almost any of the or the really fragrant herbaceous type plants that that we think about maybe as being an herb do a great job of attracting them anything that's kind of bright colored like hibiscus and salvias and those are, are really good uh, cape honeysuckle all the the uh, tacomas uh, kind of those long trumpet-shaped, brightly colored uh, flowers are, are great attractors. They're sure a lot easier than filling a hummingbird feeder, I have to say. <laughs> oh, no doubt. <laughs> They're and, so messy, and, they, and then you forget, and you, oh, my gosh. And having a little water. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people overlook that as just an attractor of itself, a bird bath or a little fountain or something. Uh, of course, if you have a swimming pool. But uh, in, my in, pool in, only attracts wasps. Yeah, that's the that can <laughs> But be the fountain does a great job, and the basil plant that Rosie let go to seed, man, it's full of bees. Yeah, uh, they love they love that. They love mint if you let it go. Any of those that are very fragrant, they really like. Um, we used to plant a, a lot in the landscape here. You don't see much of them anymore. A, a landscape shrub, tall growing shrub called uh, uh, Carolina cherry. That was a great attractor. Why uh, don't we have them anymore? Just well, kind of lost popularity? Or? Yeah, yeah, we just, it just, the style in which we landscape now doesn't lend itself to, you know, it was back when we planted pines and mulberries mm. and, you know, big, had big bed junipers and things like that. It kind of is out of, out of fashion. But there's still lots of things, you know, that will work. Lavender. Mm-hmm. Lavender is very pretty drought tolerant and does a great job attracting those. There's there's different varieties of lavenders you can use. Uh, those those do a great job. And like I said, a little water um, as opposed to trying to keep a hummingbird feeder full. Just even if you just keep a little like a bird bath dish of water mm-hmm. out there, um, they'll they'll certainly come to that for Especially sure. Especially now that the mosquitoes are going to die off, right? They're on their way out. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. Well, that's something we didn't used to have to contend with that uh, know, seems right? to be a prevalent these days. Yeah. Well, here's a really cool website, too. If you want to go a little further than butterflies and, and bees, which are just like the basics, right? You have to have those. Um, there's a website called the um, National Wildlife Federation. Have you ever visited that? Nope. And um, so you can go on there, and there's it's the same people who write, like Ranger Rick, if you have kids, those little cool magazines, uh-huh. outdoor magazines. But they have a backyard wildlife certification. And uh, so you can, and they give you a checklist of what you would need in order to qualify. And in my neighborhood one day, I was walking, and somebody had a little sign in theirs. But if you have a desert landscape, it's not that hard to create. Um, you need food. It gives you lots of ideas for each category. You need water. 
You need cover, places to raise young, and then sustainable practices. Um, so I just I just think that'd be fun. You know, just have your we we have tons of quail and baby quail, and it's so fun to watch them mm -hmm. in the yep. morning. You know, yep. taking their dust baths and running around. It's fun. They uh, they love to get in uh, my so my all of my planting beds are do not have decomposed granite. I have bark, hmm. and I'll come home in the in the evening when I get home, and the bark is all over the sidewalk <laughs> and the driveway. <laughs> and oh, that's cute. I don't mind because that's I know who's done it. It's been yeah. the quail have been in there. You know, scratching for seeds and dusting themselves and all that stuff. So, yeah, anything like that to help them, especially if you've got plants and leave and you don't trim them up too. Leave them full all the way down to the ground mm -hmm. where they can get in there and and uh, you know and get some either shade from the sun or protection from predators or just where they can kind of hang out and feel safe. Uh, you'd be surprised how much. Uh, you know, of wildlife is in the urban, you know, like I said, we've got tons of quail and, uh, you know, bunny rabbits and a bunch of different kinds of lizards. I, 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 I don't know how many different kinds of lizards I have in my yard. And some of them are huge. I mean, almost like a Chuck Koala size deal. Oh my goodness. Deal. But, uh, nice thing about doing that is people say, well, well you've had bark, you're going to have bugs. Nope. Not with lizards. Not with all those lizards. I don't. <laughs> Uh, so. Yeah, that's true. And uh, that website, if you're interested at all, is NWF, like Frank, NWF.org. And that's the nice. National Wildlife Federation. And Very you cool. had mentioned food on there. The farther out and the farther up you get, you may attract wildlife you don't want. So just true. be prepared with what type true. of fencing you have. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you probably don't have to worry too much about that in most places in the city but if you start getting to up you know out fountain hills and uh further out yeah the further out you get and even homes in town that are around the mountains like the preserve or camelback or mommy mountain there's a it's surprising how many four-legged critters live up in those yep. mountains yeah. still i was out for a walk the other day and we live right by scasta air park and i saw up, up ahead of me i thought what is that it's a big cat oh no it was a bobcat and ran across and jumped into someone's yard and dropped in i thought oh i hope little doggy fido's inside <laughs> you just have to be careful but yeah, yeah it's so fun to attract and be able to sit and watch and enjoy and just be part of that going forward now it started with butterfly and you had said something before the broadcast i didn't realize we have our own state butterfly <gasps> we do anybody know who it, did it you is? know we had a state butterfly jay no i didn't it's a beautiful one it's the two-tailed swallowtail and it's it looks kind of like a monarch, only it's yellow and black. And then down towards the tail, it's blue and black. It's gorgeous. Nice. Yeah, so um, that was just fun this morning looking those up. Now, are they statewide, or are they kind of like the state rattlesnake, where you can only find them in one or two sky islands well, in I'll southern tell you Arizona? What, I just signed up for the newsletter at butterflyidentification.com <laughs> because they, they also had a wonderful poster um, I've been looking for artwork for my new office space, and I thought that would be kind of fun to have. The state butterfly? Yeah, and all of them. We have, it looked like maybe 20 or 30 butterflies, and, you know, you can almost always see butterflies when you're out and about. You don't want to put a poster up of the state bats? You know, I think we have, no. like, 13 state bats that, no. you know. <laughs> I was thinking maybe wildflowers. Yeah. That's another thing. Well, they're good pollinators, the bats are, so that's, they you know. They eat bugs, too. And, and bug eaters. Yeah. And you know what, um, real quick, Jay, when you're thinking about your whole yard, I always think about this too late. 
So you're going to um, think you want wildflowers in the spring, but you have to think about that in the winter, don't you? When yes. do you when do you spread when do you scatter wild seed? Yeah, starting you know in October and November. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, you can't wait till you start seeing African daisies and California poppies and all those things blooming. It's too late. Okay. So scattering wildflower seeds. Ideally, again, we want to think about the times we plant pre-emergence to I keep weeds from coming up. <laughs> it's about the same time you start planting wildflowers to take advantage of those wetter uh, months that we have. Or you have to then water them. You know, So if we're not having a wet winter, if you go out and do some watering occasionally, you'll get them to germinate and come up. So, so if I pre-emerge today, how long should I wait till I put out? Uh, wildflower seeds, oh, but least not three, be at too least late. three months, probably. Oh wow! Will that be too late then for the uh, fall colors? No. Well, it'd be too late for fall. It, you, I mean, spring. You would be okay for spring. Okay. But, yeah, I would just say dedicate a little mm-hmm. area to wildflowers and don't put any pre-emergent oh, in go. those areas because if you've got good wildflower cover, it's like having a good lawn. If you have a really good lawn, you're not going to have any weeds in that lawn. If you've got really good wildflower cover, uh, you're probably not going to have a lot of unwanted weeds because they'll shade it and canopy it, and you can kind of control it that way. Oh, I know what that is. (laughs) We have Diamondback tickets for tomorrow afternoon. This is actually one I would go to because it's at 1 o'clock. I like Mm -hmm. those early ones. You get home and still do stuff. It's a Ones that start at like 5 o'clock and you're home super late. But we are hosting the San Diego Padres. So if you know the question that was in our newsletter. Now, this is actually a really easy one. You shouldn't have needed to research this one. Uh, What movie is the line from? If you will build it, they will come. Text that answer to 411-923. And we'll pick a random right winner at the end of uh, this hour. And we'll send you to tomorrow night's game. Arizona Diamondbacks hosting the San Diego Padres at 1, uh, one ten p.m. is the first pitch. Have you, you know, the last couple of seasons, they've actually played a major league baseball game at that place that that's talking about. They've built a, a facility there, and it's really pretty cool. It's in Dyersville, uh, Iowa. They've, uh, major League Baseball has had two games there. It's, it's fun to watch. I have heard about those games, but I haven't watched them at all. Um, So just text that to 411-923. And what movie did the line come from? If you build it, they will come. I know all the plants in the landscape and nature a lot happier right now they've they've breathed breathed a collective sigh of relief haven't they we have a very pretty wet monsoon and now the the nighttime temperatures particularly which what really allows plants to recover those soil temperatures start going down and the nights can cool off they they go ah (laughs) Ah. i made it (laughs) i made it (laughs) And for those plants that are going to give us a little produce, now if you haven't done it yet, you're still in the fertilizing time. Oh, absolutely. We're, it's time to be feeding citrus trees and really anything in your landscape. Help it recover. We had a pretty, you know, knock on wood, a fairly reasonable summer. You don't see as 
much plant damage out there as sometimes you do because of, you know, being hot and dry. But it does allow plants to, to recover and, and replace some of that damaged foliage. So, But particularly we think of feeding citrus and fruit trees uh, in the fall this time of year. If, you're, if you are not going to plant a winter lawn, which is what the cities are suggesting you do, you probably want to feed your, your existing summer lawn one more time to get it to stay as green and luxuriant as you can in through the fall season. If you are going to plant a winter lawn, do not feed uh, your summer lawn. And you would probably want to start transitioning, maybe not water it quite as much. Um, Start mowing it a little bit shorter the next few weeks. Take it down a notch this week and next week another notch. We want to target about the 15th of October for scalping and overseeding. Um, You will see some of the golf courses and some of the big commercial projects doing it. That's, you know, that's just a function of economics and timing. They can't wait. You know, they can't do it all in in a day like you can do your your lawn. It takes... They also have the manpower and the money. (laughs) And and that. And and in the case of golf courses, they want to get it done and the winter grass up and get that course playable about the same time the weather really breaks and all these snowbirds start showing up and everybody wants to get out and play golf. Again... Why do we plant grass? To get out and enjoy it. <laughs> I keep trying to make that point. Um, so, uh, you know, middle of October for residential winter lawns. Um, so start start shortening your mowing heights. Uh, maybe don't increase the water. You don't want to you don't want to let it burn up and go dry. But uh, that stresses it out as well. But. I don't recommend a, a final scalping or really being damaging to the lawn because you are damaging it. Um, you are taking it down before it's completely dormant um, until at least the middle of October. I'd like to see it maybe towards the end of October, early November, ideally, because that would be less stress on the on the Bermuda grass. Unless we just want to let our Bermuda grass lawns die in the summertime, which is an option. If you could get the, if you could get our code enforcement people to not write you a ticket, but <laughs> so I do have a texture on that note, sort of. Okay. Uh, they want to transition to a rock yard. Okay. But the dogs eat the grass, so they can't get it to grow good enough to hit it with a good weed killer to kill it. What, what are they supposed to do? I mean, maybe find a place to send your dogs can for you, three yeah, weeks. Yeah. Can you put them? You know, or do or I have had people do this. Not necessarily to to kill the lawn, but to plant a winter lawn where they put up a little temporary fence on over half, you know, do one half of the lawn, let it get established. In their case, let it get good and green so they can kill it and then move the dogs to the other half, the other side of the lawn. You've got time to do that. September is a, that's a great point. September is a great time to eradicate, eradicate Bermuda grass. If you are thinking about doing a conversion to rock or gravel uh, really the Bermuda grasses right now are trying to store up carbohydrates to go dormant and man applying herbicides to them right now is super effective it's a it's a good time to kill them um, so yeah I, that's what I would maybe do just go down to the building supply house and get yourself some inexpensive fencing a little bit of temporary fencing and stick it up and move them back and forth if you're interested in doing away with warm weather 
TIFF, mm-hmm. TURF, LAWN, virtually every city right now is incentivizing you to yep. do it. Uh, so if you're going to do it, contact your city and see if you can enroll in the program because they'll give you money against your water bill credits. They sure will. Uh, um, to the, to, now, it's a pretty generous package. I mean, it's a dollar a square foot where I live. I, yeah. I, got, rid, I got rid of a thousand square feet of lawn. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a great idea. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I was at a, a, a very large gathering of folks yesterday talking about water and what our current state is and what could happen. And cities certainly aren't talking about anything super restrictive yet, but if it doesn't change, they will be. And you might want to take control of that yourself before somebody tells you. Again, something you've been saying for a lot of years. We've got to solve this ourselves. Yep. Or they're going to mandate it. And you're not going to like that. No, no, you're not. So, again, just go to your city, uh, maybe even just call your the number on your water bill and mm-hmm. let them know you're looking to transition. What kind? I do of think that I, in credits. Scottsdale it used to be they had to come out ahead of time and inspect your lawn, make sure you qualify. They measured the square footage. Uh, to qualify for that, so don't just do it, get it done, and then call them. Um, you got to do it ahead of time. Yeah, and it also depends on what you're transitioning to. Um, depends on a lot of the rebates. I don't exactly know the details, but last time Donna from City of Mesa was in had just mentioned that uh, artificial turf doesn't qualify as. Um, oh, really? As one of them, just because of how much goes into the manufacturing process and the disposal once it's done that it i mean it's still pulling the lawn out but it doesn't quite qualify as a uh, sustainable solution so find out if are there any okay caveats to (laughs) what yeah Yeah. no you can't so you don't want to have this great landscape plan to pull out a lawn and then find out it doesn't apply for your tax credit or rebate or right whatever the, no, true. they want to call it. Yeah. So, well, we appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us here. Uh, any final takeaways? I know Nick, uh, hang tight. We'll take your question uh, during off the air, but we only have about uh, 30 seconds here to wrap up. Oh, it's time to start getting out and enjoying your garden. So, you know, uh, make plans accordingly. And you know, we didn't talk about planting winter flowers, which is coming up too. So, Start getting those pots and flower beds ready to plant petunias and pansies and geraniums. Nice color for the fall. Absolutely. 